Lord Jesus, uh, as we've sang about this morning, as we've prayed about already this morning, we need you to show up. We need to be connected with you this morning. You say in your word where two or three are gathered in your name, you will be present. Lord, be present. Bring transformation to our hearts. God, if all this is, is hearing some good stuff, getting some good knowledge, singing some good songs again, we're wasting our time. We would have been better to sleep in this morning. We need for you to make your presence known. Do what only you can do, we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. So we are continuing in our series. We're almost done. There's going to be one week left after this. Uh, our series on spiritual gifts. The, the spiritual gift series has come out of our belief that it is our purpose as a church to see every person involved in kingdom life. It's why we exist. If we miss that, nothing else we do matters. We exist as a church to see every person involved in kingdom life. Again, kingdom life, it's been a couple weeks since we've touched on it. There is a king. It is not you. We serve a king who, as we've already sang about today, came and died in our place to welcome us into his family. And now we live in his kingdom. He is king. I am not. My life in the kingdom is about serving and loving the king, is about advancing the kingdom, is about living for the king's cause. We are all called to be about kingdom life. The king didn't just say, okay, cool, you're in, now do your best. He said, I'm also going to walk with you, not even just next to you. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit inside of those who have put their trust in me. And I'm going to empower them to live a kingdom life. Even to the point where he has uniquely gifted each and every one of us. Every person who has become a child of God, who has been welcomed into the kingdom, who has the Holy Spirit inside of them, has been given a unique spiritual gift, probably even more than one, to enable them to serve in the kingdom. We also believe that we cannot be fully involved in kingdom life without understanding and utilizing these gifts. Understanding and using our spiritual gifts is key to kingdom life. If we miss that, all we are is some bad people trying to be good and hoping it's enough. It's about the kingdom, and we need a supernatural power to advance the kingdom. Make sense? Casey's not here to give me some amens. I need the rest of you. Amen. amen. All right, because I can keep going on this. So the gifts that we're going to be looking at today, we've been kind of breaking down our spiritual gifts, and we've been asking four questions about each of the gifts we've been looking at. First of all, what is this gift? Second of all, why is it important? Why do we need this gift? How do I know if I have this gift? And then we've been looking at, is there a dark side to the gift? Can this gift be dangerous? What does this gift look like without character or maturity? So the gifts we're going to look at today are the gift of teaching and the gift of evangelism. So let's jump in. The gift of teaching. We find it, there's a bunch of places in Scripture, but three main ones. Romans 12, 6 to 7. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. 
And finally, in Ephesians 4, verse 10 and 11, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. We find that this role of a teacher, it's it's kind of twofold. It's both a role in the church, it's kind of a, a, a position of teacher, but it's also a gift that goes along with that. God didn't just go, I created this office, and now this person is going to do their best. He said, I created this office because the church needs teaching, and I've also gifted, supernaturally empowered men and women to teach. So what is the gift of teaching? Here, I'm going to give you guys a pretty standard definition of the gift of teaching, and I'm also going to tell you right off, I have a problem with it. So let's take a look. Here's a, it's a pretty standard definition. To instruct others in the Bible in a logical, systematic way so as to communicate pertinent information for true understanding and growth. How many of you, if I said, okay, so what, what is the gift of teaching, how many of you would have come up with something pretty similar to that? Most people would. Most of you are like, oh no, I'm not falling for that trap. Whatever you're going to say next, that's what I would have said too. It's okay. This is a pretty standard one. I looked at a lot of places online, read some different books, just looking at like how, do, how, are, how have Christians defined the gift of teaching? And this is a pretty standard definition. And here's my problem with it. I don't really need the Holy Spirit to do that. I need capacity. I have to be relatively smart. I have to be able to have some time and devotion to put into studying and put it in a systematic way for you to learn it. Okay? We can all learn how to do that. Some of us is going to be a little more natural or whatever, but we can all do that. What this is about is the, the gift of teaching is about getting knowledge in people's heads. That is not the biblical, supernatural gift of teaching. It stops short. It's not that I look at anything in here and go, nah, they're wrong. No. But this definition, I, I was talking with Kim as I was trying to prepare this morning, I just, or this, this week, and I just kept saying, it doesn't cut the mustard. Like, it's not strong enough. I could do this in human strength. In fact, many people do, and they get applauded for it. There's got to be more if we're talking about a supernatural gifting of the Holy Spirit for building up God's people and advancing the kingdom. So here is how I defined it. You may talk to me in a month and I go, ooh, wow, I might tweak this a little bit or whatever, but with where I am right now, hold it open-handed. Here's my definition. One with the gift of teaching has a supernatural ability to help people connect with and practically follow Jesus. This most often happens through growth in understanding, biblical knowledge, and experience with Jesus. The first one was all about, I got to take information and get it in people. Really, what I believe the gift of teaching is about is I need to take Jesus and introduce him to people in new and fresh ways. I have to connect people to the heart of the Father. Knowledge is a piece of that. Understanding is a piece of that. There should be a system to make sure that we're clear, yes, but if all it is, is did I communicate information clearly or stop in short? This is a gift that God wants to use to connect his people, not just to memorize verses in the Bible, but to connect them to the heart of the Father. 
through the scriptures, through knowledge and understanding, but we miss that experience with Jesus sometimes. We miss that the whole point is connecting with Jesus, is following him. And oftentimes we settle for memorizing some things here and just following the rules. There's some do's and don'ts in here. If we could just get those in people and they wouldn't and won't, they'd be fine. That's stopping short. Why is the gift of teaching important? We've already started to touch on this. We don't just need knowledge. I mean, we, you guys have seen out there, there are atheists, there are people that, that hate God, that rail against God, that go on debate tours and write books who know the Bible better than any of you, certainly better than me. And they will stand up and they will say, I hate this God. They have all the knowledge, and it's systematic, and it is orderly, and it has not helped them a bit. What those people need isn't just more knowledge, correct? They need to experience the risen Savior through His Word, with their minds. It's not that we turn our brains off and we just become like blind, emotion-filled people following wherever feels good. God still calls us to use our minds, to use our intellect, but when we separate that from His presence, we miss it. I, I love, this is kind of my life verse, Acts 4.13. Peter and John were going around doing some crazy things and there were some healings happened and they were called in before the rulers of the time and they were being questioned. And it said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Didn't say when they looked at the power of their argument and how orderly their thoughts were and how crafty they were in their delivery... It says when they realized that these were just average Joes who had been with Jesus, but they saw this transformation in their lives, they were astounded by it. Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians, recounting when he came to Corinth for the first time, and he goes, remember guys, I didn't come with wise and persuasive words. Does anybody know how to finish that verse? But with demonstrations of the Spirit's power. Paul was a fantastic teacher. Paul was, was so skilled in understanding the law. He used that to beat the church down. But when he had an experience with Jesus, everything changed. And all of a sudden, Paul would come in and he would go, you know what, when I came in, I realized you guys just don't need new laws. You don't just need new understanding. You need to experience Jesus. And that was how he taught them. Everything was tied back to who is Jesus in your life. How does this help you practically follow Jesus? If this isn't connecting you to the heart of God, we're wasting our time. Does this make sense, church? Uh, again, when we stop on this knowledge thing, think about it this way. How many sermons have you heard? How many Sunday school classes have you been at where they've said something to the effect of, we're going to read this passage from Psalms and it's going to talk about the power of the Word of God and then they're going to go, so you need to be reading the Word every day. Let's pray. Amen. Goodbye. And we go, okay, I have this knowledge. This will help me. This is something I need to do. I also know that I keep failing at it again and again and again. It doesn't help me. Just having the understanding you need to read the Bible doesn't help. 
What we need is people to come alongside and show us, here's how to meet with Jesus through His Word. Here's how to not get caught up in just checking it off your list of, okay, I read for 15 minutes, I hope it worked. If I didn't connect with Jesus, what am I doing? We need people to come along and show us how to connect the Word and the living God. Just read more Bible doesn't cut it. We can teach that, and we have taught that. And I think it's done more damage than it has helped. We need people to walk with us and show us, how do I practically do this? How do I turn it from just any other book that I read and try to memorize into what it calls itself, the living and active Word of God? We need gifted men and women to teach us how to practically apply the kingdom to everyday situations and everyday life. We will naturally default to our own kingdom mindset. All of us, if there was no teaching, if there was no gift of teaching, office of teaching, we would all continually default to my life is about me. We need teachers to come along and show us, not just beat us over the head with this verse says it's not about you, but here's how we live differently. The whole Advent conspiracy thing that we're doing here, I'll be honest, it takes a lot of time. Like on a Sunday morning and stuff, we got some other things we could be doing. But I look at it and I go, here's a practical tool that instead of, instead of just telling people, hey, don't miss Christmas, we're going to read Luke chapter 2, the story of Christmas again, and leaving it there, we have to give people practical tools to help them connect with Jesus. Because that's going to make things different. Not just tell them, oh, consumerism's horrible. And this verse says so. How are we actually walking with people? Does this make sense? Okay, good. I'm going to keep asking it. So how do I know if I have this gift of teaching? First of all, you can't help but teach. I get in trouble for teaching. Karen mentioned the CrossFit box earlier. I work out there. Free plug once again for them. You too could be in this kind of shape. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that helps them or hurts them or what it does. But, but I get in trouble there. Because they have this little thing on the wall that says, let the coaches coach. I spend about half my workouts like this. I've been lifting weights since I was like in seventh grade. I understand how to do these things. Like, and I see people doing it, and everything in me wants to come over and go, hey, you know, uh, if we tweaked this, that could really help you. Or you're going to hurt yourself. Please tweak this, or whatever it might be. But I have to learn to step back and let the coaches coach. I can't not teach. I've told Kim, oh, yeah, yeah, amen. Uh, I, I mean, I get in so much trouble because I, I, I want to help people whether they want it or not. It's just in me. Part of my maturing, and we'll talk about this a little bit with kind of the, the flip side of the coin, some of the, the danger of teaching. Man, I struggle to know when to be quiet just in life in general, but especially if I see someone struggling with something, if I see a misunderstanding, if I see, Steve, we've gone and played Frisbee golf, and I'm like, you know, if you held it this way, if you put your foot there, and he has to just go, man, shut up. We're throwing a Frisbee. But everything in me, I have to teach. And there are many of, I don't say many, there are some of you who may experience that same thing. I, I, it's just in me. If I know a little bit about it, I can help them. And I should step out and throw what little bit I have into the ring. I have to teach. And you may experience the same thing in your life. 
those with the gift of teaching have a natural ability not just to point people to the scriptures or to make a verse clear, though that should be a piece of it, but to help people meet Jesus where they are. With whatever you're going through, an ugly life situation, a sickness, whatever it may be, we've all had people that just come in and, and quote a verse to us and go, you should read this book, and they bail. And most of us are going... Yeah, I have time to read a book in the middle of my life crisis. Thank you. Or yeah, I know that verse. I've heard that verse before. I have that verse memorized. But this is still really hard. And what we need is those with the gift of teaching to walk in and to show us how to apply kingdom life to the situation we're going through. Here's this verse that says that God loves you. He'll never leave or forsake you. But you feel really alone right now. Telling you the verse again doesn't help. How do I help you connect with what Jesus is trying to tell you there? How do I show you that there's something deeper going on than just keep repeating this verse again and again and again? We need people to come and help us connect what we're going through to the kingdom reality that he teaches about in the scripture because it doesn't, it's not always a natural connection. I don't see how these two come together. And we need gifted men and women to come and help us connect those dots so that we can be not just smarter, but transformed. So that life can be transformed. So that we can live differently. The kingdom life, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. So teaching without character. What's, kind of, what's some of the potential dark side? What, what does it look like when you have an immature teacher? First of all, arrogance and legalism can go really quickly with this. Because in our culture especially, we see someone who can teach, who can communicate, who can help connect some dots, and we're real quick to go, sweet, here's a microphone. Get on up there. And that's a dangerous thing. Because without maturity... Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. We know we, we've read before the last couple of weeks, 1 Corinthians 8.1... Paul says this, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. An immature teacher, as well-meaning as they could be, can easily fall, fall back on it's all about knowledge. i got to know more, i got to look smart, and i got to get them smart. And we start leading people down this, just memorize some verses, just, just read your Bible every day, which can be this weight that is so heavy to carry and is so dangerous. But Paul says, no, it's about love. Love for Jesus and love for others. That's what truly changes things. And the gifted teacher helps us put those things together. The, the teacher without maturity can struggle with when to be quiet. There's a whole lot of times when people don't need to hear what I think. Even if I've got the silver bullet, and man, if they just knew this, everything would be different. They just need someone to sit down with them and hold their hand. They just need someone to be present. Not to say a word. Not to remind them of a verse. There, there may be a time and place for that, but there's probably more of a time and place to just be there and to be quiet. Steve just wants to get out and throw a Frisbee. He doesn't need me critiquing him. Just be quiet. But that's a difficult thing. It feels like it's in you. The person with this gift, without maturity, without character, can really struggle with the idea that I've got it all figured out. I'm not even just far enough along. I'm all the way there. And they can stop being learners. They can stop being students. 
the mature teacher is a constant student. I can't give people what I don't have. I've got to take, there's this kind of constant curiosity that needs to go along with the gift of teaching. Otherwise, we become really inflexible. We put a ceiling on as far as we can grow, and guess what? I can't take people where I haven't been. So I put a ceiling on all of those who are under my teaching, and that's a really dangerous thing. Those with this gift need to be constant students of the Word, of whatever it is that we're helping people with. We have to take a humble learning posture if we're truly going to teach anyone. So let's get into the next gift, the gift of evangelism. Back in Ephesians 4, one of the same ones that we found the gift of pastor. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Again, evangelist is this both office and gifting in the, in the first century church. They had people that if they had doors with signs on the doors, it would have said evangelist, but they were also gifted to do this. So what is the gift of evangelism? One author says it like this. Evangelists are given the unique ability by the Holy Spirit to clearly and effectively communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. They are burdened in their hearts for the lost, and they will go out of their way to share truth with them. Evangelists are able to overcome the normal fear of rejection and engage non-believers in meaningful conversation about Jesus. Their gift allows them to communicate with all types of people, and therefore they receive greater response to the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. These are people, again, it doesn't say it's super easy for them, and man, they never get nervous, but they're able to overcome it because these people have this deep-seated brokenness when they look around the world, or they look at the world around them, and they see people dying and going to hell. They see people trying to live in this life under their own strength and unable to carry the burden of life. It breaks the heart of an evangelist. And here's the thing. I don't say this often because I'll say it and then come back. Shame on us if we don't share that burden. Now, I want another phrase because there's no shame on us. There's no... There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. But there's something wrong with us. If we can look at those around us who don't know Jesus, who have no hope for this life or the life to come, and we can go, eh, oh, they figure it out. If that's as far as things go, something is broken. Those with this gift of evangelism, that's not something they need worry about. There is a drive within them to see the gospel go out. It is the Holy Spirit's work in their life to take the gospel to the next person. And I love it. It says that they naturally connect with all kinds of different people. They would look at the typical church holy huddle and go, you're wasting your time. Show me non-believers. Like, that's who I need to be around. It is a passion in their heart. And when they share the gospel, there's a supernatural response. I don't know if you've ever had this experience. It's super frustrating, but I praise the Lord for it. You share the gospel with somebody. You invite someone to church. You tell someone, hey, here's what God's been doing in my life. And they go, oh, yeah, cool. An evangelist comes along, and they pray for the meal. And the person's weeping and like, this Jesus, I need him. Oh, and, and you're going, what the? I, but you didn't. 
there is this gifting that comes with it. These people mention the name of Jesus and walls come down in people's hearts. They share the gospel and people are drawn in. And it is an incredible gift. It is a gift that we are in dire need of in this church and honestly, most churches I've ever seen. Why is the gift of evangelism important? Obviously, the gifted evangelist will help bring new people into the kingdom of God. They have a personal ministry where every day they're walking around going, where are they, Lord? Who is it today, Lord? Is it coworkers? Is it family? Is it someone I haven't met yet? Is it the person in the line before me at Walmart? Is it? And we hear these stories for those of us regular people, and we go, you did what? With a stranger? Are you kidding me? And they're like, yeah, it was a Tuesday. So share the gospel. And uh, Oh, here they are. They're here now. They've repented. They've come to Jesus. And we're like, what? They have this incredible personal ministry of sharing the gospel and seeing fruit and seeing new believers come in. The sad thing is that often that's where it stops. If we go back to Ephesians 4, 10 and 11, and he personally gave some to be apostles and prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints in the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. If you're here today and you have the gift of evangelism, we need you not just to go do your part, because oftentimes, here's what we do. If, we're right, if you think about it right, church, we go, glad they're doing it. Now I don't have to. Man, I need to introduce them to my friends and family. That we, and we kind of wash our hands of it. And we go, they're doing such a good job, I'd probably just get in the way, right? We need those with the gift of evangelism to come alongside and go, I'm going, but I'm not going alone. I need to teach you how to do this. I need to share my burden and my passion with you. I need to train you up so that you can reach the loss that God has placed in your life. It's not just that they go out and do it on their own and the rest of us just stand back and applaud. They are to go. They, they can't not go. But we need you evangelists to train us as well. We have all been called to evangelize. No one is let off the hook here. Jesus' last command to all of his followers was this. We call it the Great Commission. Matthew 28. Then Jesus came near to them and he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Essentially what he's saying is this. Listen up, I'm in charge. In case you missed it before, you need to know it now. I'm in charge and here's my command. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. All of us are called to go and make disciples of the nations, to teach people what it is to follow Jesus, to teach people how amazing the kingdom is and how they can enter in. This is a call for all of us. And some of us go, but man, I'm, it's not my gift and it's super awkward and it's... Here's the plain truth. It, it's awkward for me to share the gospel with someone. And I am nervous and I'm concerned. Like, But what are they going to think about me? But what if they say no? But Back in the 90s, some of you, but what if they call me a Jesus freak? And I allow that fear. Truly, I look at that person and I say, to hell with you. I don't care. 
I'm way more concerned with me feeling good about myself than I am with your not only eternal destiny, but the weight of how you're going to live through this day. To hell with you. If that doesn't break your heart, there's something wrong. This is what we are here to do. Kingdom life. Not just living the good life ourselves, inviting others along with us, no matter the cost, no matter the social cost, no matter the financial cost, we are all, every single one of us, called to this. No excuses. But God has gifted some of you to be able to get over those hurdles a little easier, to be able to have great fruit when you step out and speak we need you to teach us. We need you to model it to us. We need you to keep us accountable. We are all called to this. We need you evangelists to lead us. This is the gifting I most often pray for in our church. I have a little prayer board in my office. You know, it's got my family and the staff and, and our community. And one that gets its own line, Lord, lift up evangelists. We need them. And here's the scary prayer that I pray. Lord, I don't have that gift, but if you want to give it to me, I'll lead people. I need to lead them anyway, gifted or not. That's still my calling. But if you want to gift me with that, I will lead people. Raise up evangelists, Lord. We need them. How do I know if I have the gift of evangelism? You will naturally seek out relationships with non-believers. The thought of just sitting and being a part of a holy huddle would drive you insane. Wait, you all know Jesus? What do you need me for? An evangelist doesn't have to go, okay, Lord, who, who is it? Who might, maybe that one person that I could step out, they're looking at it and going, oh, good, it's everyone. The evangelist has to go, oh, right, I can't forget to go to church. I, I need other believers because their heart cry is to share the gospel with those that don't know it. And so they're naturally drawn to people who don't know Jesus. They find it easier, not easy, but easier, to overcome that fear. And they see a powerful response. When you share the gospel, there is a breaking down in the walls of people's hearts. That honestly might even be hard for you to see because it's kind of a natural thing. The rest of us stand in awe. You have an ability, a gifting, to speak directly to the hearts of people the good news of the kingdom. So, evangelism without character. An, an immature evangelist is going to be easily frustrated with the church's propensity towards its own. The rest of us are going to come back to what we're most comfortable with, and what I'm most comfortable with is people just like me people who believe like I believe, people who get it where I don't have to explain everything, we can kind of speak in Christianese, and people go, mm, amen. The evangelist is going to get real frustrated with that. And if they're not mature, if they're not careful, is going to go, forget you guys. I'll go do it myself. I'll get a couple people who are on board with me, and we'll go do it ourselves. You're not fully equipped as an evangelist. You're not the whole church. You are a vital piece of it. But you need us, and we need you. Don't give up on us. Help us. Someone once said this about evangelists. They are great birthers, but terrible mothers. They love to see new people come into the kingdom. And, and this, is a, this is a broad generalization here. 
But those with just a dominant gift of evangelism, great birthers. They love to see people born again, come into the kingdom, receive the good news. But if they're not careful, sweet, good luck, come on to the next one. And we got a whole lot of babies left sitting out on a doorstep somewhere. The evangelist goes and gets them in, but is not the one that we as a church want to then be discipling all of those people and raising all of those people up. They're not wired for it. Every evangelist needs a shepherd or a teacher in their back pocket. And every shepherd and teacher needs an evangelist in their back pocket. It's this beautiful symbiotic relationship where the shepherd or teacher is going, man, I'm surrounded by believers all the time, and how do I get out to new people? How do I? And we got to get super creative to try to go meet one non-Christian. The evangelist has all the non-Christians, but once they become Christians, it's, kinda, it's not like, oh, I'm bored with you, get out of here, but it's going, sweet, job done, who's next? And there's people in the middle that, man, we need to be able to hand off for the evangelist to go, Welcome to the kingdom. Let's celebrate it. And now here's someone that's going to walk with you and teach you what it truly means to follow Jesus. And the shepherd teacher is going to be like, oh, I love evangelists. They bring me new people to love and to grow. The shepherd and teacher is going to be going, okay, I'm loving and growing these people. Where's the new ones? Where's the newborns that I can come in and, and teach from the ground up? They need to be connecting with the evangelists. We need each other. Without maturity, without character, we'll fracture, we'll separate, we'll go do our own thing. And that's dangerous for the church. It's dangerous for new believers. And for those of us that have been believers for a while, we're just going to sit on the shelf and get dusty. And that's dangerous. So as we've ended every one of our messages up to this point, here in a minute I'm going to have the elders come up and pray over people that think, maybe I have this gift. Are you a teacher? Are you somebody who, man, you just can't stop? Maybe you've got some good friends that love you enough to slap your hand and go, just be quiet for once. Just let it sit. It's okay. People will learn on their own. Do you, do you have a knack for helping people connect with the living God? Let me show you how to take your situation and show you through Scripture how God wants to minister to you. If so, we need you teachers. And let me, let me say this real quick. For teachers, this is not the only place where teaching can happen. Yes? Sunday school is not the only place where teaching can happen. Yes? You can teach in your family. You can teach in your workplace. You can teach with your friends. You can teach on the Frisbee golf course. You can teach in the CrossFit box. Whether you should or not is a matter of discernment. Teaching is a lifestyle. Not something that happens once a week. I, God has gifted me to teach, and am I going to use this opportunity to teach? Absolutely. If this is the only time I teach, or if this went away and I couldn't do this, and I went, well, I guess I can't teach anymore, I've missed it. Some of you have that same passion. Some of you maybe have that gift of evangelism, and you have been frustrated with the church. Where, why aren't we going? Why aren't we doing more? Where are the non-believers? How are we taking the gospel to places where it hasn't been? I have been praying for you. And as we end this service, I would love for our elders to pray over you. And here's the kind of prayers that, that they're going to pray. Maybe you come up and you go, I don't know, maybe this is my gift. I'm not sure. Lord, reveal it to them. Give them wisdom. If this is a gift that you've placed on your heart, Lord, release it. Make it clear. Show them how and use it powerfully. 
Maybe you come up and you go, you know what, this is my gift, but I've been kind of sitting on it for a while. I've been scared to use it. I haven't, I haven't been bold with it. Maybe you need to start with repenting. We've been missing you using your gift. And this is not a shame thing. Again, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But maybe you need to start with repenting. Lord, I've put a lid on this one. I want to take the lid off. Use this gift, not only in my life, but in the life of the church, in the life of our community. And maybe you come in and you go, no, I've been killing it. But man, there's always more. Holy Spirit, if there's another level, if there's more you want me to do, show me, release that in me. And our elders will pray over you. And we trust that when the elders lay hands and pray on you, the Holy Spirit will be, will be released. The gifts of God will be made known. And his church will be built up. So I'm going to ask the music team to come up. I'm going to ask the elders, if you guys would come up over here. And if you guys would join me in praying before we close in song. Lord Jesus, we need your gifts to be revealed. We need to grow into the gifting that you've given us. God, we need to come together with this beautiful tapestry of different gifts and personalities that make up the church. Lord, your word says that the world will be drawn to us through our unity, not through our sameness, but as you raise up your gifts, as you show us how to be more ourselves than we could have been without you, may the world be drawn to you. May we go forward in kingdom power, sharing kingdom life and the good news of the kingdom with everyone we come in contact with. And may we, as Paul said in Ephesians, see your church built up and your kingdom advanced. God, move in powerful ways, move in supernatural ways through your people. God, may we come to a greater awareness of how you've wired us, how you desire to use us, and the power that you've placed inside of us. Use us in a mighty way to transform Elkins, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.